Well, good morning. Glad you guys are here this morning. I just want to kind of say we're glad that you chose to be here this morning. We know many uh, could not come or just felt unsafe to come. And we just want you to know as a church, we're taking every precaution we can with this. And if you just want to know what's going on in the life of what, what we're going to be doing here and plans of the future, just stay connected with us through social media as well as email. We will keep you posted. Now today, we're going to be in kind of part five of the series that we've been in called Seven Reasons Why. We can trust God. And the whole premise of the series has been this, is that we know that we're told over and over and over again that we're supposed to trust God. Amen? Are you told that? Okay. You know, we're missing some folks. You have to be really loud today, all right? So we know that we've been told that we're supposed to trust God, but all of us still have this, this question deep within us. I hear you, but why? What is it about God that makes him trustworthy? What is it about God that makes him dependable. I hear you saying we're supposed to trust God, but all of us feel better when we know the why, right? And so what we've been doing the last several weeks is we've been talking about why we can trust God. And we, and we said this, that the why is based on who he is. So we started with, we can trust God because he's the great what? I am. He's the great I am. He is the eternal God that transcends time and space, and he is sovereign, and he reigns, and he rules. We can trust God because he's the great I am. We also said we can trust God because he is all-knowing. He knows everything. There's not anything beyond the scope of what he knows. And for us as believers, either that is a comfort for us, as it should be, or can also provide a great deal of challenge because we're scared and thinking about, if God knows all that I do, well, he does know. He's all-knowing. And then we talked about we can trust God because he's ever-present. He's everywhere all the time. There's never a moment in your life, in my life, when, we, when God's presence is not with us. There's never a moment like that. And then last week we said this, the reason we can trust God is because God is all-powerful. He has all authority and all power within him. And today we're going to shift gears a little bit and talk about a fifth reason we can trust God, and it's this. It's that he cares for us. One of the reasons we can trust God is he cares for us. Now, this is why it's important. We've talked about why we can trust God, and one reason is because, yes, he's powerful. Yes, he's present. Yes, he knows everything. But this, the idea of we can, he cares for us, means that he's extraordinarily personal, Right? Now, here's what I know about my life. I thought about this a couple weeks ago. When I think about the people in my life that I've truly trusted, it's people that, I mean, now I'm not just talking about I say I trust you. I'm talking about I let you into my life. I give you some things in my life. I trust you to keep certain things quiet or private. I trust you to pray for me. I trust you to be there for me. That, that's what I'm talking about when I say I trust people. The people in my life that I've trusted like that are the people that I felt like truly cared about me, Right? Aren't you the same way? I mean, I'm not talking about people who want something from us. I'm talking about people that we've trusted who hurt when we hurt, who are broken when we are broken, who rejoice when we rejoice. I'm talking about people in our lives who truly care about us. Those are the people in my life that I have found over my years, that's the people that I've trusted. Now think with me just for a moment. The people that you trust, now are you the same way? Do you trust people like that? Sure you do. Here's the thing I need you to know is that the people that you've trusted and entrusted information with are probably people that you feel like care about you in a big way. But listen to this. The way they care about you is only a fraction of how much your Heavenly Father really cares about you. And if we trust people that we feel like cares about us, how much more should we trust an eternal God 
who cares more deeply for us than any one person ever could. Amen? That's the way it should be for us. Now, the problem with that is kind of the reality for all of us, though, is this reality is the truth is that sometimes we're just not sure. Sometimes we do go through life. Situations happen. Circumstances happen. And we end the day with this mindset of going, I know that I'm supposed to trust God. I know I've been told that he cares about me, but I'm just not sure if he really does. Now, I'm not asking you to raise your hand today, but I'm just asking you to be honest today. Have there been moments and seasons of your life you're like, I just don't know if God cares. Life is hit hard. Situations are bad. And I'm just not sure if he cares. Now, listen, here's what I want to do. I want to do two things this morning through the passage we're going to look at. First of all, as I want us to ask this question, if that's true, if we find seasons of our life where we do wonder in uncertainty, does God truly care? I want us to think about where does that lead us spiritually? When I'm wrestling with whether God cares or not about me, where does that lead me spiritually? But the second thing I want to do at the very end of the message is I want to talk about the depth and the magnitude of how we can know how much God really does care about us. So if you have your Bibles, John chapter 11 is where I'm going to be this morning. John chapter 11. And I just, I'm, we're, going to, we're going to cover most of the chapters, so I'm not going to ask you to stand this morning as we read God's Word. But I want to start with, when we struggle and don't feel like God cares about us, where does that lead us spiritually? John chapter 11, verse 1 through 4, sets the context of the story. So if you have your Bibles, here we go. Now, a certain man was ill. Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with the ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, the illness does not lead to death, he said, for it is the glory of God, so that the Son of Man may be glorified through it. In other words, let's back up for a minute. Context. Mary and Martha have a brother. The brother's name is Lazarus. Lazarus is ill. Now, it doesn't just mean he's sick. It means he is like ill. He's on his deathbed. And so they send word to Jesus, we need you, right? Now, you may say, why would they send word to Jesus? Well, think about it. They had relationship with Jesus. We know from the passage that Mary's the one that came in and anointed Jesus' feet and used her hair to wipe the oil in. We also know that Mary and Martha hosted Jesus one time, and Jesus came into their house. And remember the story? Martha began to cook all this meal, and what did Mary do? She just camped ground at the feet of Jesus. And Martha comes out and goes, Jesus, would you please tell her to come help me? We're supposed to be these great hostess. Would you tell her? And he says, Martha, Martha. Right? In other words, while you're focusing on the urgent, Martha, she's focusing on the important. So when you think about why would they go to Jesus, here's the answer. They had relationship. Jesus loved Lazarus. Jesus loved Mary. Jesus loved Martha. It makes sense, not only because he was the king of the world, not only is he the savior and the miracle worker, they went to him because there was relationship there. Now, let me ask you this. If you were in that kind of relationship with someone and you went and said, so-and-so is ill, I need you, what would you do in response to that request? You'd go, right? You'd get up and you'd go. You wouldn't think about it. You wouldn't pray about it. You'd go, let me ponder that for a little bit. You would just get up and go, right? You would go. What does Jesus do? Jesus does not get up and go. Basically, here's the response that Jesus gives. You ready? He says, listen, I hear you. I know you think this story's going to end one way, but it's going to end a different way. 
Now, you may look at the statement of Jesus and go, isn't he being a little bit of insensitive? I mean, these people desperately need him. Why wouldn't he just jump up and say, okay, 12 guys, disciples, let's go to Lazarus. Let's do this thing. But that's not what Jesus does. And I would contend that Jesus is not being insensitive. Rather, his comment here is letting her know how much he cares for her, how much he cares for Lazarus. How much he cares for Mary and Martha. I believe his comment here shows them how much he cares. Because here's what he says. Listen, I know you see your situation in one lens. I know you see it that way. But I'm just going to tell you, I'm at work. I'm doing some things behind the scene that you have no idea what I'm doing. I'm working in a way that you can't even imagine. But I'm going to tell you, when this thing's over with, you're going to see how much I really care about you. So I just need you to trust me. And do you ever feel like maybe God does that with us? We go and we pray and we seek him and we lay all our cards on the table. And at the moment we lay them down, if you're like Doug, you think that within the next 24 hours, you're going to have an answer, right? The situation's going to work itself out. I mean, everything's going to be fine and it's going to happen right now. Have you ever had that moment in your life when you laid it all before God and then the end result was you thought it was going to happen, but it didn't? And is it possible in those moments God is saying to us, hey, I know you're going through a tough spot. I know you're beaten up. I know you're bruised. But if you'll just hang with me, I'm working behind the scenes, and you don't even know I'm working. You don't even see it. You know that song we sing sometimes that says, you know, um, even when I don't feel it, you're working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. You know that song? That's what it's talking about here. Hey, listen, I, I, know, I know you see that things are going through one lens and you feel like it's going to end one way. And I know you're beat up and I know you're bruised. But I think sometimes God says, listen, if you will just hang with me, but I'm doing something that you have no idea. And when this thing is over, you're going to find out how much I really do care about you. And you're going to find out I am worthy of your trust. So that's what's going on here. Now, here's the problem that you and I have. The same problem that Mary, Martha, and a guy named Thomas that we're going to look at, they had. They were so wrapped up in the situation. And sometimes we get so wrapped up in the situation that we tend to think if God doesn't respond immediately, God simply what? Doesn't care. You ever felt that way? Just nod. Don't raise your hand. Just nod. You ever felt that way? There's a few truthful people in the room, right? But we feel that way. And sometimes we're like Mary, Martha, Thomas, and we get so wrapped up in the circumstances we're in that it tends to leave us feeling as if God just does not care about us. And that's exactly what happens in the story. We won't read it right now, but if you continue the story from verse 5 through 13, two things happen. Number one, Jesus, after he hears the message, makes this profound statement that this is going to be a moment that's going to bring glory to God, and you're going to see how much I care about you, how much I love you, and then guess what he does? He stays put for two more days. Two more days. 48 hours. I don't know the seconds, but it's a long time, right? I mean, he stood there for two more days, and he waited, and he delayed, and he waited, and he delayed. Now, guess what happened when he waited? Lazarus no longer is ill. Now Lazarus what? He dies. Now, can you see how people in this story, now listen, I know you know the rest of the story like Paul Harvey. I know it. I know you know the rest of the story. But if you didn't know the rest of the story, can you see how people in this story would have felt like maybe Jesus just doesn't care? Can you see that? Now, what I want us to notice as we continue to the story is, 
I want us to look at where did this lead people spiritually? Where did this lead Thomas spiritually? Where did it lead Martha spiritually? Where did it lead Mary spiritually? This fact and this circumstance that Jesus delayed and Lazarus is dead, where did that lead them? What path did that take them down? So first of all, I want to start with Thomas. For Thomas, this circumstance of Jesus delaying and Lazarus dying led Thomas down a path. It led him to distrust. Look with me in verse 14 through 16. Verse 14 through 16 says this. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died. And for your sake, I am glad that I was not there. Now that seems a bit insensitive, doesn't it? But listen how he finishes it. So that you may believe. Now, in other words, listen, he just reiterated what he said. I'm about to do something that's absolutely going to blow your mind. And it's going to blow your mind in such a way you're going to be so aware of how much I love you and how much I care about you that your only conclusion is going to be absolutely 100% belief. So I'm glad I wasn't there. Because when I show up and you see what I'm going to do, it's going to blow up. And you're going to trust me and believe me like you never have before. Look what it goes on to say. But let us go to him. So Thomas called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, listen to this, let us all go. That we may what? Die with him. This is not a word of encouragement from Thomas to the 12. Right? I mean, Thomas is at a place where he's basically, Jesus come, he's waited and he's delayed and he's waited and he's delayed. And now Lazarus is dead. They've got word. Lazarus is dead. And here is Thomas' response. Hey, let's all go. We're just going to go and die with him. Now, why in the world would Thomas say that? Because Thomas thought, hey, listen, if we go, we're just going to be killed. Now, why do we know that? If you were to back up, don't do it right now, but if you were to back up and read the very end of chapter 10, what you find out is that Jesus and his disciples barely escaped the hands of those who were trying to capture them and kill them. So Thomas is on high alert thinking, if we get to large crowds, if we get to large gatherings, and we make ourselves known, they're going to capture us, and ultimately they're going to kill us. Now, ultimately, Thomas thought, hey, listen, what's the point of going, right? Why do we need to go? Lazarus is what now? He's what now? So why go? If we go, all that's going to happen is we're going to be killed. Here's my point. Thomas, because the circumstances surrounding the fact that Jesus delayed and that Lazarus is dead, these circumstances led Thomas ultimately to not trust that Jesus cared and that Jesus had a plan. So I don't know about you, but when I read the New Testament and I see all that Jesus did, when he says, let's go, I'm with Team Jesus. How about you, right? I'm ready to go, right? Now, I know in context, I would probably be just as ignorant as the disciples were, but when I read, I'm like, I would be with him. But there was something about what happened in this circumstance that led Thomas to come to a place spiritually where he did not trust that Jesus even cared or either had a plan. Now, here's my question for you. Has there ever been a circumstance in your life that led you to distrust the Lord? Maybe something happened, and it makes no sense. You've tried to reason it. You've tried to rationalize it. you sought wisdom on it. And when you look at the situation, it absolutely, 100%, makes no sense. And the conclusion you came to is this. I'm not sure. If God says he loves me and he cares about me, I'm not sure he really cares. And because of that, I'm not sure I can really trust him. So I'm ready to walk away. Have you ever had that moment in your life? 
See, I'm, I'm not naive. Here's what I know. Out of all the people in the room today, there's probably some of you in the room like a Thomas. You found your place either in a season in your life or even today. You found yourself in a place where you've come to a point where the circumstances of life and the fact you weren't sure if God cared about you has led you to a place of distrust. A place where you're not sure he cares and you're not sure he has a plan and consequently you're not sure you can trust him. Now, that's not all that happened in the story. This circumstance led Thomas to distrust, but let's look at Martha. It led Martha to frustration. Look with me in verse 17, and then we'll skip down to verse 21. Verse 17 says this. Now, when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for how long? How long? Four days. You got to wake up this morning. How long? Four days. So verse 21. Martha said to Jesus when Jesus got there, Lord if you had been here, that should literally be translated, if you had only been here. If you had been here, my brother would not have died. So for Martha, the circumstances that Jesus delayed, and now Lazarus is dead, led her to frustration. I mean, verse 17 says, he was in the tomb, how long? Four days. Now, we, that, we don't think much about that. We've talked a little bit about this in the past, but in Jewish culture, four days meant a lot. They believe that after three days, your spirit left your body. And so if there was going to be a miracle happen, they believed it had to happen the first three days of your death. But on that fourth day, the spirit had been removed from your body, and now there was no hope. Now, according to them, you were like a special kind of dead. You were dead, dead. There was no coming back. You were dead. I mean, you were like really, I mean, there is no bringing. You are just dead. Are you with me on that? That's what they thought. So the fourth day happens, and Jesus shows up. And guess where it left Martha? Frustrated. If you were Martha, would you be frustrated? Come on. He's been in your home. You fed him. You love him. He loves you. You send word to the only person who can address your situation. And he waits two days. And when he shows up, even if he shows up on day three, there's still hope, right? But he shows up day four. And Martha is frustrated. Listen to what Martha says again. Look at verse 21. Look what she says again. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had only been here, my brother would not have died. Lord, what took you so long, right? Jesus, why did you delay? I mean, we came to you. I didn't go to the Pharisees. I didn't go to the other supposed miracle workers. Jesus, we came to you. We believe in you. We trusted you. We love you. Why did you delay, Jesus? And Jesus, why did you wait? Why did you wait, Jesus, to come? You say you love us. We tell you we love you. You've been in our home. You've enjoyed our food. Why did you wait, Jesus? Jesus, at the end of the day, I believe Martha's attitude was this. Jesus, do you even care? Do you see, can you get the emotion of what Martha is saying here when he says, Jesus, if you had only been here, my brother would be. Do you get the emotion of that this morning? The emotion is, man, why did you wait? Why did you delay? And do you really care about us? See, here's the thing about it. It's almost like she's saying this to Jesus. You know, you're the one that we needed. You're the one that we sought after. You're the one that we pursued. You're the one I sent word to. And Jesus, you tell us to follow you. You told us to trust you. You told us to believe in you. And we did all of that. And you were a no-show. 
We did what you told us, Jesus. And you never showed up. Now question, have you ever felt like that? You've prayed. You've given. You've searched God. You've sought God. You've done everything right. You've been on your knees. You're reading your Bible. And you're praying. And you're crying out. And you're praying. And you're crying out. And you've gone to him. And you've gone to nobody else. And you've laid it all before the Lord. And you felt like he was a no-show. Have you ever felt like that in your life? Come on, be honest. Have you felt like that? You better believe it. Have you ever had moments in your life when you prayed maybe for your marriage? God would heal your marriage. God would restore your marriage. But all you heard was delay. Or maybe you prayed that, that God would bring that special someone into your life, that you could spend the rest of your life with this guy and that girl, and God would just bring them. I'm ready for them. And all you felt was delay. Or that moment you prayed and said, Lord, I'm ill and I'm sick. And like Paul, I'm asking you to remove this from me because I don't want this anymore. And God, if you would just heal me, I would live for you in a passionate way. But all you feel is delay. Or that moment when you prayed, Lord, would you bring my prodigal child home? Would you bring my prodigal grandson home or granddaughter? Would you bring my prodigal spouse home? And you prayed and you laid before God, but all you heard was delay. Or that moment you prayed and said, Lord, would you save my spouse? Would you save my husband? Would you save my wife? Would you save my kids? Would you save my neighbors? And all you heard was delay. Have you ever been in a moment where you just laid it all before God and all you heard was spiritual crickets and all you felt was delay? That's how Martha felt. And see, when God delays in our life, it tends to lead us down a path where we just feel like he simply doesn't what? Care. So maybe you're here today and you say, you know what? I'm not like Thomas. The circumstance in my life has not led me down a path of distrust. It's led me down a path of frustration, just like Martha. But there's a third person in this story I want you to look at with me, and it's Mary. For Thomas, the circumstance of Jesus' delay and Lazarus' death led him down a path of distrust. For Martha, it led her down a path of frustration. But for Mary, it led Mary to discouragement. Look with me in verse 20. Verse 20 says this. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. So when Jesus finally shows up, guess who doesn't go? Mary. She stays home. Now, if there was ever one of the two sisters, if you knew the rest of the stories that you would peg for someone who would stay home, it would have been Martha. Because Mary, remember, she's the one that wanted to sit at the feet of Jesus. She's the one that couldn't wait to be in his presence, couldn't wait to hear his teaching. She's the one that was enamored with being around Jesus. If there's anybody that's going to break open the door and sprint down the, the field and get to him and run and meet him face to face, it would have been Mary. But Mary stayed home. The same Mary who sat at his feet in Luke's gospel. The same Mary who wiped his feet with her hair, rubbing the oil, anointing him in. She stayed home. Why? Well, think about it from Mary's perspective. Jesus says he cares, but if he had cared, he would have what? Shown up, right? If he really cared, listen, if he really cared, he would have shown up, and he would have intervened, right? If he really cared about us the way we think he cares about us, Jesus would have known he's shown up, but he would have intervened. And Martha, or Mary, finds herself in a place, not of distrust, not a place of frustration, but a place of absolute discouragement. Have you ever been there? Come on. You ever been there? 
something happened to you in your life and things kind of went, went sideways and you prayed and you asked God and you prayed. And here's what you know. You know God answers prayers, but then there's your prayers, right? You know God does miracles, but then there's your situation. You know he does it out there, but when it comes to you, you just feel like maybe God just simply doesn't care. And I think there's just maybe some people here this morning that feel like Mary and you're discouraged this morning. So here's a question I want to ask you. Is it true that maybe you struggle with this? Do you struggle thinking today? Don't raise your hand. Don't nod your head. But is it possible that you struggle thinking and wrestling with, does God really care? And if you do struggle with it, here's my question for you. Where has that led you in your life? Does that lead you down a path of distrust? Does that lead you down a path of frustration? Or has that led you down a path of discouragement? Do you struggle with that? And if so, where is that taking you spiritually? Now, I know what you think of this point of the message. Wow, with everything going on in the world, I was looking for some encouragement this morning, right? I need something to build me up, not tear me down. No, I just want us to be honest. Because here's the truth of the matter is, from the guy standing on the stage to the one standing in the back of the room who, who, and everybody in between who we love the Lord and live for the Lord, every one of us have experienced every one of these at some point in our life probably. I can tell you moments in my life, I have felt every single one of these. Moments in my life, I'm like, Lord, if you cared, wouldn't you intervene? Lord, if you cared, wouldn't you have shown up, Lord? Lord, if you cared, I would know it, and I would know that I could trust you, and I would know that you're faithful, Lord. I mean, I have experienced every single one of these, but the good news is the story doesn't stop there. So on one hand, it's important for us to know where has our frustration about whether God cares or not lead us. The second thing I want to talk about today is this, or to look at is this, is that I want some things I want us to know regarding how much God truly does care about us. There's three things I want you to know. The first one's found in verse 23. Look with me in verse 23. If you're awake this morning and say, I'm still awake. Awesome. Half the room, great. Here we go. Verse 23 says this, Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha said, because Martha knows it's day four, right? Day four, and what is he? He's what? Dead, dead, right? He's really dead. Spirit's gone. He's super dead. There's no, there's no hope, right? Day four, he said, she will, he will rise again. And Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. In other words, the resurrection that's to come at the end. I know that way down the road. And then Jesus said to her, listen, I am the resurrection of life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this, Martha? And she said to him, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. In other words, yes. Here's the first thing I think we need to know. That truth should always trump emotion. Truth should always trump emotion. Here's what I mean. When you read this story in context, Thomas, Martha, and Mary were an emotional wreck, right? Lazarus has just died. The brother of these two ladies have just died. Thomas, which he always gets a bad rap anyway, right? The doubting Thomas. But he's one of the disciples who speaks up and goes, hey, man, we're wasting our time. I don't even know that you care or even have a plan. And then you got two sisters. They are an emotional wreck. And when you become an emotional wreck, something inside of you faith-wise begins to die. And you begin to trust your own selves. And then something awesome happened in the passage. Jesus spoke truth to Martha. She said, Martha. I am the resurrection and the life. 
And they'll say, Martha, I know it's day four. I know you think he's super dead. I know that. But I'm the giver and taker of life. I have all authority, Martha. I have all control. Martha, you have forgotten who you're talking to. You've forgotten that I am the king of kings and I'm the Lord's. I am the resurrection of life, Martha. Don't forget that. I know situation seems bleak. I know you think that you're, you view it through a lens that's going to end this way. But Martha, I showed up and I know I'm late, but that was on purpose. Because when I show up, I'm going to do something that blows your mind, Martha. You've forgotten that I am almighty God standing in the flesh. You forgot it. Don't forget it again. Because I am the resurrection life. Do you believe this, Martha? Yes, Lord. <laughs> right, right? Right, you get that? And here's the thing about this. He speaks truth to her. And all of a sudden, this truth helps her change her mindset. Once again, she's reminded who she's speaking to. She was reminded that he's the one that is God in the flesh. He's all-powerful. And he is totally 100% in control. But for a moment... She forgot. Can we say the same thing about us? That we get so wrapped up in a situation that our emotions trump truth? And we forget who we're speaking to? I mean, do you remember when your kids were younger and they were talking back to you? And there's that moment as a parent, you go, have you forgotten who you're talking to? Anybody ever had that conversation with the kids or just me? Okay, maybe just me. So I had that kind of, you forget who you're talking to, right? Or was assigned. She is your mother. I mean, she birthed you. I mean, there was like 15 hours of pain to bring you in this world, right? And then you followed up with, and we'll take you out and make another one just like you, right? I mean, there's that moment where you're like, do you remember who you were speaking to? That was that moment for Martha. And I think we need to have that moment sometimes. Sometimes we need to remember, well, always we need to remember truth always trumps emotion. Here's what I mean. The truth of who he is should always trump the emotion that we feel. Because our emotions are usually not in line with who he is. Right? See, what we think sometimes is that when God delays, that means God is denying. They thought because Jesus didn't show up, he must want Lazarus to be dead. But was that the story? No. God's delay sometimes is denial, but sometimes it's just a not yet. Sometimes it will be soon. And they looked at his delay as just something that blew their mind, and they forgot who they were speaking to. So Jesus calls them out and reminds them of this. The truth about who I am should always trump the emotion that you feel. Let me give you the second thing I want us to know. It's found in verse 33 through 35. It says this. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved. That doesn't mean he went, aw. That's not what that means. To be deeply moved means to be stirred from the innards. He was stirred from the core of who he was. And here's what it says. And in his spirit and greatly troubled, and he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus what? Shortest verse in the Bible, right? There's no reason not to memorize one, right? Jesus wept. Here's the second thing I want you to know. Not only the truth always trumps emotion, but secondly, Jesus deeply cares for you. See, the fact that Jesus wept and the fact that he was stirred. And now, I've heard so many people preach on this and talk about, well, the reason he wept was because he was sad for lack of faith. Well, that may be the case. But when you look up the word that Jesus wept, it doesn't mean a tear. It wasn't like a lump in his throat and a tear in his eye kind of moment. 
It wasn't one of like, you. some of you, or anybody in the room like ugly criers? Anybody? I'm one of those ugly. I mean, I can't let it out. When it comes out, it's like really bad. It doesn't mean like one of these sniffling moments. It means a sobbing of sorts. Now, when I read this, here's what I find out. Jesus, dealing with the distrust of Thomas, dealing with the discouragement of Mary, and the frustration of Martha, goes to the tomb where Lazarus is, and here's his response. He weeps. Because they hurt, he hurt. Because they were in pain, he sympathized and empathized with them and felt their pain. Now, I want you to hear me, church. No matter what you're going through, no matter what obstacle, no matter what hurdle, no matter what valley, and you feel like he doesn't care for you, listen, he genuinely cares for you. And this passage reminds me that when I hurt, he hurts also. When I'm in pain, he knows my pain. Why? Because he cares. Are you with me on that? Say amen if you're with me on that. He genuinely cares for you. Let me give you one more thing as we get ready to close. It's this. Verse 38 through 44. I love this. Then Jesus deeply moved again, came to the tomb. And it was a cave, a stone laid against it. And Jesus said, take away this stone. And Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time, there will be an odor. In other words, listen, he's dead, dead, Jesus. Have you forgotten? He's like, really dead? There's stench, there's smell, there's decay beginning. Are you sure, Jesus? That's what she's basically saying. Verse 40, Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes, and he prayed and said this, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I know that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. In other words, God, thank you for listening, Father. Thank you for hearing me, because I know you always hear me. But these rascals here, they don't believe a lot of the times. And I want them to see us show up in such a powerful way that blows their mind. And then look what happens next. When he had said these things, he cried out in a loud, and I'm going to translate this Doug's way, thunderous voice, Lazarus, come out. Pause. If you're Mary, Martha, and Thomas, would you kind of leaned over a little bit, look into the cave going, really? He's, he's dead, dead. He smells, right? And Jesus with this thunderous, I'm sure, voice goes, Lazarus. Come out. Now listen, has anybody ever called back the dead? They've never seen anything like this. So the fact that he's dead, dead, and Jesus is coming, the stones rolled away, the stench is kind of coming out, and Jesus makes this declaration. I'm sure those three that had all these issues of not caring about me probably leaned over going, well, let's just see what happens. And let's look what happens. We know the story. The man who had died came out. His hands and his feet were bound with linens, and his face was wrapped with cloth. And Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. What a moment, right? What a moment when they leaned into the cave, and a dead man comes walking, right? A dead man wrapped up comes walking, and Jesus goes, let him go. Free him. Can you imagine the elation that they would have felt for Mary, Martha, and Thomas? Can you imagine? Let's flip it. Can you imagine the guilt they would have felt for how they felt about him? That they thought, hey, he doesn't care about us. But in that moment, he calls Lazarus and raises him from the dead. See, the reason, the thing I want us to know, the third thing I want us to know is this, is that caring led to activity for Jesus. Caring led 
for him to act. It led Jesus to act. In this story, Jesus calls Lazarus out of the tombs, and Lazarus comes forth. Now, I know many of you like to take this story and go, is that always how Jesus intervenes in our life? No, is the answer. Sometimes Jesus intervenes by speaking to our situation, right? Sometimes Jesus intervenes by speaking to our thinking. And sometimes Jesus intervenes by speaking to our hearts. But here's what I want you to walk away with this morning. You ready? He always intervenes for those he loves. Why? Because he cares about you. He cares about me. He cares about us. Yes, he's in total control. Yes, the truth of who he is should never trump the emotion of how we feel. But at the end of the day, I want you to know this. He deeply cares for you. When you hurt, he hurts. When you're in pain, he knows it. But at the end of the day, because he cares so deeply, he always intervenes just like he did with Lazarus. Sometimes that's in our situation. Sometimes that's in our mind. And sometimes that's in our hearts. But he always intervenes. Amen? So here's my prayer for us today. My prayer before we leave this place today is that we would 100% know how deeply God cares for us. That he cares so much that he intervenes on our behalf. For some, you know how he intervenes? He intervenes by saving your soul. He steps in and reminds you of who he is and what he's done for you. And he intervenes by giving you life instead of death. For others of us that are believers, you know how he intervenes with the Holy Spirit? By guiding and directing us. Because if you, know, if you know me and I know you very well, here's what I know. That sometimes we get really out of sorts, don't we? Sometimes we get really confused and we get misguided and going the wrong direction. And sometimes he just intervenes by guiding us and directing us. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do this morning. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, if you're a believer today, I'm going to ask you to lay down your distrust I'm going to ask you to lay down your frustration. I'm going to ask you to lay down your discouragement this morning. And instead, celebrate the fact that he cares about you. And be, listen, because he cares about you, he can be trusted. Amen? Because he cares, you can trust him. So if you're a believer, I'm going to ask you to lay it down. And if you're not a believer today, I'm going to ask you to let him intervene in your life. And that you would surrender your life to him as your Lord and your Savior. So here's what I'm going to do right now. I'm going to ask you to stay seated for a moment. I'm going to ask you just every head bowed if you would. Just everybody bow your heads just for a moment. Every head bowed. And every one of you hopefully was able to grab a worship folder in your seat when you came in. And I'm going to ask every one of you just to go ahead and take that welcome card out. Everybody across the room, take that welcome card out if you've got one. If not, there'll be one in the seat in front of you hopefully. Just take it out. And if you're a believer today, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to write down one of three words on that card. Maybe you're here today. Maybe there's been a season in your life. Maybe there's a season right now you're going through where you struggle with this. Does he really care about me? Is he really concerned about me? And I'm going to ask you to do this. I'm going to ask you to write down one of these three words. If that question of whether he cares or not has led you to a place of distrust, I want you to write that down. If the fact that you wrestle with whether he cares about you or not has led you to being frustrated, I want you to write down frustration. And if it's led you to a place where you feel discouraged, I want you to write down discouragement. And in just a minute, I'm going to pray for us. And I'm going to ask you, if you would, to bring that card and that word 
and just lay down on these steps as an altar. And say, Lord, I'm laying down my distrust. I'm laying down my frustration. I'm laying down my discouragement. And rather, I'm going to celebrate how much you care about me. And I'm going to celebrate that I can trust you today. Because you never quit on me. You never don't love me. And so if you're a believer today, right now, just take a moment. Just take a moment. I'm going to keep talking. But if you're a believer, take that card right now. Write down one of those things. One of those words, distrust, discouragement, frustration. In a moment after I pray, I'm going to invite you to come drop them at the altar here. But if you're here today and you've never trusted Christ, would you let him intervene in your life today? Would you let him remind you how much he cares about you? That he cares so much about you that on your own standards and by your own way, you deserve eternal separation from him. But he loved you so much that he sent his one and only son to this world to live a perfect and sinless life. To be beaten, to be bruised, to be mocked, to be ridiculed, and to be crucified. Because he just loves you that much. And today, for the first time in your life, you want to receive him as Lord and Savior. Would you just say something like this to him, Lord Jesus I believe you sent your son to this world. I believe he died on a cross and rose three days from the grave. And I know today that I am a sinner. But today I'm asking you to intervene in my life and be the boss and master of it. Forgive me for my sins. I surrender my life to you. And I'm just telling you, if you will say something like that to him, from this point forward for all eternity you will be on team Jesus worshiping and serving and living him for the rest of your life and if you just made that decision would you grab one of those cards write your name down and hold on to it so today I gave my life to Christ and I'll give you some more instructions what to do with the card later but just go ahead and acknowledge today I made that decision now I'm going to pray for all of us and when I'm done those that are believers that want to lay something down at the altar those cards please do so those that made decisions for Christ Fill out that card. Let's all stand together as I pray. Let's all stand. God, I thank you for today. I thank you for your word. I thank you for the relevance of this passage for us today. God, every single one of us in this room have moments in our lives where we struggle with whether we think you care or not. But what we've never really admitted before is when we feel like you don't care, that leads us somewhere. And we don't ever want to talk about that. But for some of us, as we look through the story, we're reminded of moments that, that the fact that we didn't think you cared led us to not trusting you. Moments that led us to frustration. Moments that led us to being discouraged. So God, I pray for believers today that we would lay those things down. And that rather today, we would celebrate. Celebrate how much you care. And celebrate it because we now know how much we truly can trust you. And then, God, I pray for those who prayed that prayer a moment ago. May you give them the courage to write down their name and say, today, I said yes to Jesus. Today, he intervened in my life. God, would you just have your way with us today? And we would be faithful to respond. For it's in your precious, in your holy son's name we pray. Amen, amen. Now listen, as we sing, if you wrote one of those words down the card and you're ready to lay it down and say, but today I'm going to celebrate. 
I'm going to celebrate he cares for me, and I'm going to celebrate that I know beyond any shadow of a doubt I can truly trust him. I'm going to ask you to be faithful to respond and come drop them at the altar here, and let's worship together. You move as the Lord leads you.